Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. And for the sake of just looking at that, and not that we're going to camp on that, but if we begin to look at it, sometimes much of what we're facing and experience is really depression. And so we're going to look at this aspect of emotions and looking how do we live the life of not being led or governed by emotions, but living a life of faith, trusting God to do what he said he would do. Amen? Amen. Hey, guys back there in the tech department, if you don't mind, can you turn things off on the stage? Appreciate it. Praise the Lord. Got this noise on the stage up there. That, oh, man, doesn't it sound a whole lot better when it's not so quiet? Praise the Lord. Amen. So, anyways, with that being said, concerning just this life that we face, and the things that we're going to begin to talk about, once again, I want you to understand something, that I am not purposing to talk about this to camp on the negative side of life or to the, the negative things that we experience. Because if all we do is look at that or highlight that or put a focus on those things that we are challenged with, then obviously we just can find ourselves being subject to being moved by those things. But for the sake of looking at them and to see what each and every one of us go through, but then to understand that the Bible says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And so I'm here to tell you that by the end of this series, you're going to be in a whole different place than where you are today. If you find yourself feeling overwhelmed, feeling like you're just bogged down with life, feeling like you're stuck, Jesus has come to set you free, and you're going to find yourself being at a higher place, expecting more, believing more, desiring more, not because you've gotten bogged down with life, thinking, well, I guess this is as good as it gets. No, we're going to believe God and trust God for the life that He said we can have. Amen. Amen. And so... For the sake of us just looking at this for just a moment, when we begin to identify this aspect of depression, and the reason that I'm talking about this or bringing this to your attention is because you might identify with some of the things that we're going to highlight. You might say, man, I've experienced that. I relate to that. And if that's you, again, for the sake of understanding that I have begun to be moved by that, now how do I move out of that and get to a place where I'm truly free? Depression is defined like this, feeling of severe despondency and dejection. Self-doubt creeps into our moods, and it causes a persistent feeling of sadness and the loss of interest. Now, as a pastor, I get to do life with people all, all day long and all week long, and that's what I do. And I'd have to say that a lot of people live life in that arena. Being discouraged, being sad, feeling despondent, feeling like there's no traction of life, and just feeling really like there is no hope. But God wants us to begin to move forward. Now, concerning the problems that we face, the problems are universal. Your problems, my problems, the things that you face and the things that I face, they're universal. But in this world that changes so fast and the the things that are that we're experiencing at a greater pace, if we begin to identify the problem, but if we would begin to identify 
the principle or the natural law that would govern change in that particular area that is giving us flack or giving us problems, we could begin to see a change in our life. Let me say that again. If there's things that we're facing, every one of us are facing stuff. It's universal. But if we would begin to identify the principle or the natural law that would provoke or create change concerning that problem, we would find ourselves stepping up higher. Now, let me just say this. Concerning natural laws or principles, they are always centered around biblical principles or godly direction. You can't have principles of life or natural laws that are not governed by the things of God. And so we can look at some natural things, but it's always governed or backed up by the power of God's word. Amen. So example, let's just say you're dealing with some weight issues. If you want to lose weight, what do you do? You have to identify the natural law or the principle that would govern change. So if I'm wanting to lose weight, what is it that I need to do? I need to change my diet, right? I need to begin to exercise. Now, what does that mean? That means that I've got to do something about it. It doesn't just happen overnight. It isn't something that just forces itself upon me. I have to make a choice to make a decision to change some things in my life that begins to create change. Now, if I'm purposing to say, I'm going to change my diet, I'm going to have some exercise, what that means is that I have to begin to use discipline. And the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit has self-control. The Bible says in in, in Habakkuk, write the vision, make it clear. So if I understand it, I can run. So what that means is that I've got to begin to budget my life. I budget my food. That's biblical. It's a biblical principle, but it's a natural law that begins to govern a change in my life. Are you tracking with me? Now, as a culture, the culture bucks against that. In fact, if you've noticed it as of late, the younger that the generations get, it seems as though they buck against it more and more. And what they're bucking against is structure and discipline. Can you say amen or oh me? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. If you've got teenagers, you see it (laughs) right in front of you. Don't tell me i got to do it that way. I want to do it my way. Right? structure or discipline and it seems as though the younger the generations become the more that they buck against that and our culture today feeds into that and as a result some things begin to spiral there begins to have this big dark cloud if you will that begins to hover over our lives and i guess that's the best way that i can put it for the sake of painting a picture Many times we live life feeling like there's this dark cloud following us around. Sometimes the cloud seems like it's more thunderous and it seems like it's more hectic and maybe it's darker at times. And maybe sometimes it just feels like it's at a distance. But it seems as though there's always this dark cloud that hovers or is trailing my life. And as I said, it seems as though the culture provokes or begins to stir up Or lean toward the way of really enabling that dark cloud to continue to hang over our lives. Now, some of the things that I'm going to share with you today is is some things that I got from Stephen Covey. 
And just as I purpose to, to study some things, there is a book that I've been reading, and it's called uh, uh, the, the Seven Habits of Successful People. And he opens his book talking about some of the things that I'm going to share with you right now. And these things are so powerful that they just will mess with your head a little bit. But it goes to show us that if we'll purpose to allow ourselves to move forward and find the natural laws that govern change, we will see ourselves moving forward and having success in life. But every principle, every natural law is undergirded by the power of God. So, concerning our lives, concerning the society and the culture that we live in. As I said, our culture seems to push us in a ditch. It seems to lean towards one way, and it enables us to really continue to have this dark cloud hovering over our lives. And one of the first ways that we begin to see this, number one, is we see it through fear and insecurity. We begin to see it through fear and insecurity. And our culture feeds into that, doesn't it? If you watch the news... Bad news is good news. They're always feeding into the negative to cause us to be in a position of fear and insecurity. And as a result, what we do as people is we begin to live a riskless life. We begin to play it safe. Do you know God never intended for you to live a safe life? Faith always lives on the edge. I said, faith always lives on the edge where we're trusting God, where it seems like there's not another step. But we say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. And you step out there and say, God, you've been faithful to meet me every step of the way. Now, I'm not talking about not using wisdom, but I'm talking about living a life that just we play it safe. And as a result of simply playing it safe, we become codependent upon people. We become codependent upon our work. Well, what if I lost my job? Everything would fall apart. I thought God was bigger than that. Or maybe we have become codependent upon our spouse, our husband or our wife, our boyfriend or our girlfriend. And as a result, our lives cannot have meaning or our lives cannot move forward unless we are dependently or codependent with that individual. And again, it just gets us in a rut. You know, I've been working with a young man over the past, oh, probably the last six months or so. He doesn't go to church here, but I knew him from years back, and he's a young fella. And he's got a girlfriend that is very toxic to his life. And he consistently will come to me and say, well, we broke up again, and this is what's happened. And I just try to coach him along and try to love on him as best as I can. But he keeps running back. Life is hellish with her, but it's hellish without her. It's not good with her, and it's not good without her. Why? Because he's found his identity in a girl, but the girl is toxic for him. And as a result, what he's done is stop letting himself dream and believe that he has self-worth. And he's lowered himself to say, I guess this is as good as it gets. And she makes me feel complete, but she's toxic for him. And then as a result, if we're not careful, we allow ourselves or allow the pendulum to swing the other, other way. We become codependent or we just simply become independent where we're like, well, you know what? I've, I've, I've gotten this far by myself. I don't need anybody and I'll just purpose to go work my job and then I'll just live life for myself. And once again, that's toxic thinking. It produces this weightiness, this stagnant, this burden of life because we end up doing life by ourselves. Independence is good, 
But the greatest problems of life have been solved through interdependence. Our greatest victories in life require us to do life together. Are you here this morning? Once again, the pendulum swings into the ditch and says, just don't ever take risk. Well, it's hard to take risk when you're all by yourself. But man, if we can partner together. Why do we come together as the body of Christ? Because we love God, love people, and love life together. And as a result, we can purpose to step out and really have a life full of risk or a life that's trusting God. Amen. Come on, just thinking about stepping out and getting into a new building. It's risky. It's scary. But together we can accomplish it. We can conquer it. Why? Because we got a faithful God that backs us up. Or we can just get stuck in a rut and say, well, this is as good as it's going to get. Well, we can't ever get out of here because look at the circumstances. No, we've got a faithful God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Number two, we can allow ourselves to get caught up into the ideals of the culture that allows this cloud to hang over our head. And it's simply this ideal of... I want it now. (laughs) I want it now. You know, it'd be real easy to say, well, that's just this newer generation. This this younger generation is an entitled bunch. They are. The younger generation is more entitled than we've ever been before. But when we look at our society and the debt that we carry, we have lived a life of I want it now. Now. Right? And as a result, we have become a people that have been bankrupt. We want it now. I want a relationship now. Rather than waiting for the God sent one in our lives, we just want it now. Rather than waiting until we've saved up the money, we want it now. And so therefore, we have lived a life that has become bankrupt in every aspect of our life. Spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, and financially. And this cloud just keeps on getting bigger over our heads. The demands of our wants eventually catch up with us. And if we're not careful, it cripples us. Have you ever felt that before? Once again, I'm talking about being bankrupt in life. And I'm not just talking about financially. But there's many areas that we find in our lives that we find ourselves just being numb or being crippled because we want it now. There's one side of living for the moment. Or... We can purpose to grow in wisdom. We can purpose to grow in understanding. And as a result, it creates longevity. It creates sustainability. And it allows our life to not just live for the immediate gratification, but preparing for the future. Everything in life is worth the investment. Your family, your walk with God, your children, your job. Whatever it is, it's worth the investment. And the Bible says, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Come on, you can never, you can never outgive into your family. You can never outgive into your spouse. Because God says, if you'll purpose to not live for just self, just I want it now, but purpose to make the investment, it pays high dividends. But as a result of us being a people that just live for ourselves and I want it now, the cloud has become bigger and darker and heavier in our lives and we feel like we don't have meaning. Number three, everything that we're talking about kind of leads into a progression. I become this person of I want it now, I I need it now. We find ourselves being crippled and bankrupt in life and therefore, number three, we play this game of 
blaming and becoming the victim in life. Now, this is normal. But everybody can find yourself in this some place or another. But if we're not careful, we become the victim. And as I said, we start blaming everybody else. And it allows that cloud to become bigger. Well, if I was only in the right family, if I only had a different mom and dad, if I only had a different career, if my boss was a better boss, if my wife was a better wife, if, if only, if only, if only, we look to blame somebody as to where we're at. And if we'll become the victim, and if we blame somebody else for where we're at, we are becoming enslaved to that person or that thing. Come on, I want you to hear me this morning. There may have been some horrific things that have happened in your past. There may be some things that have caused you to become the man or the woman that you are right now. And you may look back and say, they're the reason for it. But if you continually look to someone or something in the past and blame them for your present day circumstance, you are enslaved to them and you actually give up your power to change anything in your life and you empower them to hold it over you. Now, what does that mean? That means that you got a purpose to forgive. You don't know what they did to me. Listen, until you get to a place of forgiving them in their past, you'll never be free for your future. And I know that's hard to do. I didn't say forget. I didn't say that you had a continual relationship or uh, renew that relationship. But when you purpose in your own heart to say, I'm going to make the choice to forgive the past. We give up our power if we don't. Now, I found this interesting. The United States only holds 6% of the world's population. But the United States owns 90% of all the lawsuits worldwide. Let me say that again. The United States is only 6% of the world's population. But the United States owns 90% of the lawsuits worldwide. Why? Because we have allowed ourselves to become the victims. Now you wonder why our church, our schools, our government is such in a mess. Because we've allowed this cloud to hover over us. We've allowed, <clears throat> excuse me, our culture to steer us into the ditch and begin to blame somebody else rather than owning it ourselves. And say, I'll make a difference. I'll make a choice in my own personal life. As a result... It leads to number four. Number four is hopelessness. Hopelessness is the fruit and the byproduct of somebody that plays the game of being a victim. If we give into determinism, and determinism is simply this. It's I'm a victim or I am the result or what has determined me is my upbringing. Some of that may be true. We all are byproducts of our upbringing and things that have happened. But if we buy into that and if we purpose to allow ourselves to play the blame game, as a result, we lose hope, we lose drive, and we settle into stagnation in our lives. And what that begins to look like, well, then I just won't expect anything. I just won't expect any more. I won't expect any better. Because if I don't expect, I can't be disappointed. If I don't hope, then I can't be hurt. Come on, is this hitting home for anybody? 
And it's a ditch that the enemy has used. And it's a culture that has caused us to carry this big dark cloud over us. To make us feel as like we're helpless and hopeless in life. But the greatest discovery that a person can make is that it is, it is within your power to make a choice to make a difference. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. You can choose today what tomorrow will look like. You can choose today what you'll be tomorrow or the next day. You know, I was just talking with somebody just uh, oh, a couple of weeks ago. And just talking about just where we find ourselves in the, the scope of life. And just some of the letdowns and the fears and the struggles of life. And, and this guy is only 40 some years old. And I said this. I said, you know what? I said, you're only 40 years old. I said, if you wanted to, I said, you could become a doctor. At most, you think, well, 10 years of school, how old would you be? You'd be 50 years old. At 50 years old, I'm a doctor and I can live out my life doing what I want to do. Come on, life and age is just a number. And how well you live it is a choice of your own. We don't have to be victims or be hopeless in our lives. We can choose today and we can empower ourselves to say, this is what I desire out of life. As a result, again, leading just in this progression of this cloud that is looming over our head, if we feel ourselves being hopeless, what ends up beginning to happen is that we begin to lack a life of balance. We begin to lack a life of balance. And as a result, we often outstretch ourselves or we stretch ourselves too thin. And this is what's the, what the culture tells us. Well, you can make some sacrifices in the immediate for the greater good. And oftentimes, because we see what's down the road or we make the sacrifices, it's our family that really pays the price for that. The person that says, well, I'll work more hours, I'll stay late, I'll work the weekends, or whatever it might be, simply just trying to have a leg up or have the advantage. But the person that will live their life with a priority-based system in their life is the one that truly succeeds. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Man, it just it, it troubles my heart so much when I see families that begin to misappropriate their priorities. And I could get on a soapbox there. But we don't have time. <laughs> I'm afraid what you might throw at me, so nevertheless. <laughs> but we gotta become a people that will live a life of balance. What is our highest priority and what will we purpose to focus on in life? And i got to be honest with you, as a pastor, because I've been so driven to say, God, I want to build your church. There's been times that I've neglected my family. Why? Because I'm trying to pay the price on the front end to build a ministry, to build a church, and to help people and to help families, all the while I'm letting my own go unattended. But when we focus on what is most important... Everything else begins to line up. Amen? Amen? I had a minister friend say to me several years back, and I, I wish I could say that I was more inclined to add this value or principle to my life, but he says, if you'll take care of the minister, the ministry will take care of the minister. If you'll take care of the minister, the ministry will take care of the minister. What's that mean? If you'll purpose to take care of you and prioritize things, the ministry will begin to fall into place. Amen? And you're a minister, if you didn't know that. 
First and foremost, you're a minister to your family. Number six, people get into this ideal. Our culture begins to steer us in a direction and make us begin so involved and self-aware of ourselves that we ask this question, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? I have to look out for number one. And once again, our culture has said it's about stepping over somebody. It's about taking advantage of people just to get ahead. But that's not what the Word of God says. The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And as a result, we begin to take on this ideal that I've got to take care of number one. And if we're not careful, what we end up doing is we allow ourselves to get into this competitive mode of living life. Come on, I know none of you have ever been there, right? You've never, never gotten competitive with a sibling. You've never gotten competitive with somebody else. And you start seeing them succeed or get ahead. And you're like, well, why are they succeeding? Why are they getting ahead? Or oh, what can I do to, to up my game or keep up with the Joneses, right? And that's a tactic of the enemy is to get us into a place of comparison. And if I'll start comparing my life to your life, there's a lot of things that begin to spin out of control. I start getting myself into debt. I start looking to other things. I start looking to other motivations. And then we end up, end up finding ourselves really being envious of somebody that's being blessed by God. And I'm telling you what, if we ever find ourselves in that position where you're crying and you're boohooing because somebody else got blessed, you just stop the blessing in your home. Why? Because we have to celebrate with other people where God is moving in their life. Why? Because it's a humility thing. God, I'm in the same blessing line as they am. I, I, I'm just as good as they are. I'm, I'm just as much your kid as they are. So therefore, if they're blessed, so am I. I'm in the same blessing line and I'm just going to shout, Next! Come on! God wants us to begin to trust Him. And the greatest achievements in life is by working together as a team. Number seven, people are hungry to simply be understood. You realize this, people want to be heard? But because of insecurity, many times when we're talking with somebody, we're just thinking about what we're going to say next. I said people just want to be heard. And we think in this culture that the greatest influence is to be heard. But the greatest ability we have to influence other people is when we become vulnerable enough to truly hear somebody else and what they're saying and allow them to impact our lives. When you actually have the ability to begin to influence them. Because all you're doing is purposing to love them. Not making it about you, but sincerely listening. But it's a shame that most people are not vulnerable enough to let themselves in or let somebody else in their life. Why? Well, I don't want them to know that I don't know all that I think I know. I don't want them to know that I'm really struggling in life. And so we put up this facade and the cloud keeps looming overhead. Number eight, conflict and differences. Our culture stirs up conflict and differences. Have you been watching any of the political debates? Conflict and differences. 
Everybody is wanting to stir up conflict and differences. And it's interesting that our culture today has become more interested in forcing agendas rather than coming to a place of compromise where it can be a win-win. Come on, everybody wants to be a right fighter in these days. How come we can't just agree to disagree? But everybody's got to begin to push an agenda. God doesn't want us to be that way. God wants us to come together. And rather than sinking to the lowest common common denominator, He wants us to rise to the highest common denominator. Right? For example, just as we were inviting people to church for this Easter campaign that we just came out of, somebody had sent me a message on Facebook, and they said, do you allow openly gay people to come and worship with you? And so my response was this. I said, we embrace everyone who is passionately pursuing their relationship with God. I said, God loves everyone. He loves the homosexual. And so do we. I said, now that being said, I said, we believe in biblical values concerning same-sex marriage. And we believe in traditional marriage. But you're welcome to come. Now. That person responded, well, I guess you're not as welcoming and inviting as you say you are. And I'm thinking, well, what did you not read in my response to you? I said, we'll receive you and love you. If you have a heart to serve God and worship God, we'll love on you. But it's about an agenda. And he came on and he said some other things. And so I actually had to block him on the Facebook page. Trying to force an agenda. Why can't we just purpose to love one another and walk in love? The Bible says this, that the royal law or the number one law, Jesus said, love, right? Number nine, this is the last one. Number nine is that personal stagnation that we talked about. Our lives are involved or included in in, in four different areas. We as individuals, we're spirit, soul, and we're body. But the fourth dimension is the relationships that we have. And so to begin to to, to paint a picture of how we become personally stagnant in our physical bodies, let's just use that one to begin with. We want to preserve our lifestyle. So rather than saying, well, let's do the right thing, we say, how can I preserve my lifestyle? Well, I've got diabetes I've got heart issues. Rather than me adjusting my lifestyle, what we've ended up doing as a culture is just saying, doctor, can you give me a pill? Doctor, can you give me a medicine? Rather than saying, using the principle, what can we do to prevent the disease? What, what can we do to adjust our lifestyle and apply the principle that would he- prevent the disease and, and promote health to begin with? And as a result, our lives have gotten a ditch. Have you ever noticed anybody or known somebody that has had physical issues in their body and it seems as though they carry that dark cloud with them? What about our soul and our mind? We live in a culture that constantly wants to be entertained. We live in a culture that says, well, you've worked hard, you deserve it. Have you ever noticed, have you ever just taken the time to go into a restaurant and look around and see how many people are actually engaging with each other? Nope. what are they doing? Playing on their phones. 
They're sitting across the table from their family, but they're engaged with somebody else. God desires for us to begin to allow ourselves to be invested in others. What's the principle? We can continue to learn. We can continue to grow. We can continue to educate ourselves rather than just simply being vegetables that sit in front of a TV. You know, we have a, a, a lead team here. And, and just about every month or every other month, we'll put a book in their hand. The reason that we do that is because we're purposing to always grow as leaders. We, we can't get stagnant with life. Our minds will shrivel up if we don't do something with it. And God wants us to grow. Concerning our relationships, oftentimes we'll use people to get ahead. But the principle says, serve others. And the greatest reward of being fulfilled is when we have the opportunity of doing life together. And then lastly, I saved this one for last. It's our spirit. If we're not careful, we can become stagnant in our walk with God. And for that matter, every principle is based, first of all, on a relationship with God. If God is not the priority of our lives, I can tell you for certainty. I don't even have to have a conversation with you. If God is not first in your life, and there's telltale signs. If you know anything about poker, there's what is called a tell. Meaning, you tell what you have in your hand, whether it's good or bad. As a pastor, I look at people from week to week. And you have tells in your life. Some of your tells is, you're just not here. <laughs> and listen, if that's not the priority of your life, I can tell you for certainty that there is a cloud that is looming over your life. I can tell you that there's things going on in your marriage. I can tell you there's things going on in your family without you even talking to me. I can tell you that there's things going on in your finances without you even telling me. Why? Because God says, I want you to put first things first. Seek me first. And you'll see all these things come together. What are we talking about this morning? We're talking about feeling emotions but not being led by emotions. And maybe you identified yourself somewhere in this today. Maybe you found yourself saying, I can relate to this or to that. But God wants us to be free. Can we all stand together, please? Thank you, I'm not done. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Here's the last thing that I want to ask you. I sincerely want you to consider this. As a church, I really want you to embrace this homework that I'm about to give you. I want you to go home this week. Give some time so that you can actually give thought to this. And on a blank piece of paper, I want you to put out the top of it my obituary. And I want you to write down, if you were to die next week, what would your obituary say? Be honest. What would it say about you? What would it say about your goals, your accomplishments, your family, your life? What would it say about your relationship with your God? Then on a separate piece of paper, I want you to say, 
this is what I want it to be. And it may look totally different than the one that is versus the one that you desire it to be. If there is a drastic contrast, then I want you to ask yourself the question, what is it that will cause this one to come into a reality? What is the natural law? What is the principle? What is the thing that I can choose to do right now that will set that course into action for my life so that at the end of my life, that will be my obituary? That he was a man or a woman that knew God. He was a man or a woman that was loved greatly by his children. He was a man or a woman of God that did great things because he had great intentionality and purpose with life. What is it that can begin to change that in your life? Do we accept that challenge? You don't have to turn them in. I just simply want you to embrace this journey that we're on for the next few weeks. Of how do we get to a place of where we truly trust God. And where God is the priority of our lives. And where we're experiencing life like God God desires. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that is here today. I pray that on some level, you have challenged and provoked our hearts. God even maybe made us feel uncomfortable at times, thinking, yeah, that's me. That's, that's where my life is. I, I, I'm there right now. God, I thank you that you don't provoke us in a position to make us feel worthless but you provoke us in a way to open up the eyes of our understanding and so I thank you God that we are growing and trusting you in Jesus name and we all said amen to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life